Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Caged In, the podcast where we watch every single Nicolas Cage film to determine if he is the greatest actor of all time. I have the absolute pleasure of presenting to you today an extra special Caged In conversation. I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Tom Gormican and Kevin Etten, the co-writers, and Tom Gormican is the director of the brand new Nicolas Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, that I'm sure if you're not aware of uh, by now, is released today, day of release of this episode. So uh, get out to cinemas and see it. It's so heartening to see the amount of like push this film is getting. It's the strewn across buses. Seems to be, I'm not sure if it's just my algorithm, but every time I got an IMDb kind of, it's the the online kind of adverts everywhere, and it's it's. I got to tell you, as a Nicolas Cage fan, this is like the like Avengers Endgame for me, and I'm sure I'm sure all you Nickheads listening to this probably feel the same. It's kind of I don't know. As soon as I heard about this project, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like I know the script has kind of been knocking about for a few years, and then when Cage signed on to do it, it's like. Here we go. Cage playing himself kind of in a once every 20 years being involved in a massive meta movie. Obviously, 20 years ago this year uh, would have seen the release of Adaptation. And now we get The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, a film I've seen not once but twice at the time of recording this. Uh, So, yeah, I had the absolute pleasure of being invited to a press screening my first press screening on this podcast it was an absolute kind of otherworldly experience i kind of didn't know what to do with myself as i'll be honest with you guys up front that like even getting to the screen even though like i don't know i feel like i've put in the work on this podcast like i've kind of spoke to some amazing people i put together the podcast which i think is a kind of like i don't know there's no, normally people get paid by the studios to do something like that but I did it off my own back just because I love this. And uh, yeah, I'm really passionate about these films and these people. So being able to get to that press screening, like, right up until like, I, was, I was going in, I was like, ah, duh, duh, duh. the the imposter syndrome kicked in. And 
that I kind of fumbled at the desk, like with my name. I was like, oh, it's Mr. Pesilvis. Like, oh, pardon? I was like, ah, oh, that's it. Some some burly man is going to grab me and sling me out the door. But uh, alas, um, no, the person on the desk was like, oh, Petros, it's so great to see you. Head on through to the screening. Help yourself at the free bar, which for me, a working class kid kind of uh, being told there's a free bar, my eyes lit up. I was kind of, excitement was already at fever pitch. So imagine being told there's a free bar as well. And uh, yeah, I got a, got a free bag of crisps, got like a kind of Nicolas Cage paddle with his face on it. And then a little, uh, yeah, a little QR code that takes you to the trailer, the unbearable way, massive talent branding. Yeah, got to sit down, watch the film. And then following Monday, got to speak said to uh tom and kevin got 20 minutes of their time and i think we get into some interesting stuff in this uh, it's fairly spoiler light but uh maybe hold off until you've seen the film maybe don't like kind of uh you might be able to tell in my question like whether it's going to kind of tiptoe into spoiler area so just hit that kind of skip 30 seconds and you'll kind of uh, avoid anything but i don't i don't think we really get into if anything, we kind of spoil something that's not even in the movie. We get to talk about a kind of already mythic deleted scene. So yeah, that's something to look forward to. So enjoy my conversation with Tom Gormican and Kevin Etten. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I have the absolute pleasure of being joined today on the podcast by the minds behind the unbearable weight of massive talent, Tom Gomkin and Kevin Etten. How are you, gentlemen? Fantastic, fantastic. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. How are you? Oh, I, I'm fantastic. And I just want to say thank you both for making one of the funniest films I've seen in years and one that will surely give me hours upon hours of content for this here podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I need to start with the basics here and uh, ask you, where did this idea come from and why Nicolas Cage? I mean, why not Nicolas Cage? <laughs> You know, I think that the, the seed of the idea was just like, there's something about Nicolas Cage that has transcended being an actor. You know, he's not just an actor. He's like a cultural icon. He's like an institution that you come back to when you need to smile. Like it, like the memification and like internet embrace of Nicolas Cage is something that like, thinking about like, I, why, do, why does everyone love him? Why do, why do we love him? putting him in a narrative about himself was just sort of the germ of the idea. And then <clears throat> Kevin and I got together and just were like, okay, we're very interested in this. Let's craft the narrative around it where he's invited to a super fan's birthday party. And that was the jumping off point. What was the like, was there a plan if Nick said no to this project? Were, were, were there, was it, was it just we'll shelf it and that, that's it? We, we didn't really have a plan. I think there were certain <laughs> certain points in the process where, you know, because I I really wanted to sell the script that I maybe tried to convince Tom that there were other actors that would flip it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, plan was Kevin loses his house. Yeah. And then we've spent a year not having a job writing a movie about an actor. The uh, only yeah. the only fun idea that I think one of our friends had was that if Nick wouldn't do it, that we should try to get like Christian Bale or Daniel Day-Lewis to wear Nick Cage prosthetics and play Nick Cage. So like Christian Bale <laughs> as was the, the backup plan, I guess. Yeah, and Nick Cage's prosthetics. And you know you want to see Bale's cage. It would be fantastic. Yeah. I could see uh, Daniel Day-Lewis very much in New Orleans in like a European castle really living the life of Nicolas Cage for like a year, <laughs> yeah, right? two years to get into the room. Uh, yeah, spending a few months down there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah. Trying to source a two-headed snake from somewhere, anything, anything <laughs> wild that he can he can come across. Um, 
Ah, that is kind of a movie I would. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> we should have. We should. That's the sequel. That it's the Daniel Day Lewis preparing yes. to play Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the that's the meta upon meta aspect uh -huh. of the <clears throat> film. Made a trend that every twenty years in Nicolas Cage's career, he seems to be in a meta film, whether it's adaptation twenty years ago this year, and obviously your film, like. I can only imagine what 20 years time will be, whether he's playing somebody else in a kind of meta film. Uh, but yeah, in, in, in that regard, like what was that first meeting with Nick Cage like when you kind of floated this idea to him about playing himself? Well, we had been through the roller coaster already because we wrote the entire script. So we had that and to, to, to give him and he was not sure that he wanted to do it. And then Kevin and I had written him a letter detailing why we thought it was a great idea to do it. And, you know, eventually, you know, he said it's a big performance art piece where you get to play with people's idea about who you are and who you really are. And he kind of got into that. And then finally, he agreed to have lunch with us which was our initial goal on the film. We were yeah. like, if we write this, it's the movie that we want to see. And if Nick, Nick Cage agrees to have like a salad in Los Angeles with us, <laughs> that would, it would really make us, it just would, it would make it worth it. So we get there and you have to understand like for about a year and I don't know, a year and six months or, you know, at, at this point, um, all we'd been thinking about is Nicolas Cage. So it was really, and we get there and I said, we've been thinking about you for so long that this is like the most surreal moment. And he was like, uh, it, it, it is very surreal for me too. And we were like, <laughs> just sat down. He's like, we're all kind of weirded out at the beginning. And we just said, hey, look, we're, we're massive fans of yours. And we want this to be like a reverential celebration of your catalog. And he sort of eased into, you know, being friends and collaborators with us. So obviously, yeah, Nick in interviews has referred to you guys as the mind. Do you mind explaining what that nickname means at all? I think that it started out, you know, sort of like he would see the two of us, you know, after takes talking and discussing and then tom would come over and he would go okay here comes the mind you know like yeah and so it, it was a way to kind of you know at first i think it was a little like a little a little dig but it was a loving sort of um i i know that you guys are taking this as seriously as i am because you know nick i will say that he his mind is you know so fast and so he's so knowledgeable about film and he has such a clear idea of like what he wants to do um in, in in these roles and with us he would always we would find tom would get the text but it would be you know coming at 4 30 in the morning the day before we were shooting all his notes all his ideas all his thoughts from his mind of what he wanted to accomplish and so it was a melding of minds uh <laughs> during the day yeah and you know you have to understand cage would um or the cage uh, would, would would get on his elliptical machine every morning from like three to four thirty, and he would reread the script, and he have all these thoughts about it. And so Cage, despite his, his protesting this idea, he is an overthinker, you know, and and he over he's thinking about the role constantly. We'd constantly be thinking about it as a result of his texts he would send after rereading the script, and then we would all sort of get together. So when he saw us approaching, he would be like, "Oh God." Here comes the mind, here comes the mind. They've got something in store for me. 
And oftentimes it was like, because he has so many things to do in the movie, he would be like, just don't tell me it's more dialogue, please. <laughs> like, it's like... Well, I've had the I've had the pleasure on this podcast to talk to so many people who've worked with Nick, and one of the things that's always brought up to me is like how he just knows the script back to front, and he's always coming up with ideas. Whether it's uh, Brian Taylor with Mum and Dad, he wanted to let's do the hokey cokey as I destroy this pool table or yeah, yeah. color out of space. It was an idea that was kibosh, but it's like maybe my character wears a peg on his nose. Like, what were the kind of uh ideas that nick came to you guys with and what what kind of uh like saw it to the screen like yeah what were some of those kind of ideas he floated to you guys the best one was uh you know the there's a scene where nick and young nick are in a bar having a drink and the way we had scripted it was young nick would kiss nick on the cheek and nick came to us that morning and said you know i think it should be like a very deep French kiss. Um, and, you know, we were, of course, just like, yes, please. This is, I, we could never, you know, we Best never would possible have idea. Yeah, exactly. We would actually be terrified to pitch that to Nick. You've got to <laughs> French kiss yourself. You know, so he would come up with those things all the time. He came, and he came up with the, the line right after that. Like, you tell him, uh, you tell him, Nick Cage, Nick, Nick Cage is, good. is good was his, was his uh, line that he wanted to do, which is great. In the screening I was in, that got uh, like rupturous, like laughter and applause. Like everyone, lo everyone loved that moment. Um, so, in regard to the character of Nicky, shall we call him the the younger Nick Cage? Like, what was it about that kind of high kicking, money throwing Terry Wogan era? Like that, 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 yeah, that that performance and that kind of appearance that Cage gave. That made that the sticking point given this there's so many cages to pick from yeah i mean well the movie was just it, like a long exercise in finding the best cage you know uh -huh. and so <laughs> part of that you know nick for nikki there was technical considerations like directorial ideas where like how far could we actually de-age him with it still mm -hmm. looking acceptable so there's some technical things within you know within our budget um, because the, the the further you go, the more sort of artistry you need, the more time it takes, and it expands the <clears throat> the cost. And so there was that. But then it was like, okay, what's the best version? It can't be a character that he's played in a movie because that's mm -hmm. not him. It has to be a version of Nick. And Nick brought the Wogan interview to our attention, and he said, "I just look at this guy and I find him so obnoxious <laughs> that like I want the opportunity to go back into his skin and make him the villain in the film." And of course, you know, it's one of those things we were like, okay, that sounds fantastic. We love the hair, we love the differentiation, and we loved that type of character, that brash, like over the top kind of thing where Nick can channel his expressionistic ideas about performance into. And I, you know, of course, we had no idea how it was going to work, and we thought it came out, you know, pretty cagey. I mean, yeah, that was the only the only person who really could no that answer was nick right because uh -huh. it's like he was like yeah. when i was this age i was this guy i was a, an yeah. asshole in the way this guy's an asshole <laughs> face off in con air i was a different guy i had a family like i was way more grounded so he he, he had the answer yeah so yeah like what one of the things i wanted to to, to delve into and you saying about like the surrealist aspect of like nicky and stuff like that is 
uh, Cage has gone on record saying that you gave him an ultimatum in regards to a scene that like kind of already is gaining traction in regards to the kind of cabinet of Dr. Caligari stuff that was cut from the film. And he said that you said, or I'm not sure if it's you or the studio kind of said that it was, it was the, the young Nicky stuff, or if it was the, the kind of cabinet of Dr. Caligari stuff, what, what, what were those scenes like to, to, to create and what, what were they? Well, there was a, there was a sort of culmination of the Nick Nicky relationship where he has to dispatch this kind of this voice that's that's in his head telling him that he should be someone else in order to grow as both like a father and an actor and an ex-husband and kind of become a better version of himself. And so we were going to dramatize it as like an action sequence through mm-hmm. his old movies. And we thought, you know, it's part of the reason we were seating the cabinet, Dr. Calgary, because uh, we wanted to see it play out in that German expressionist style in black and white. And we created all these incredibly angular, cool sets with Kevin Kavanaugh, production designer, you know, who's Nathan Crowley's art director. He's like, God, he's brilliant. And we created the GT500 Mustang that he drives and gone in 60 seconds and the Ducati and they're chasing each other. And we're using these, these um, zoetropes, you know, these spinning zoetropes with 20,000 watt bulbs in them, three of them to make it look like those things are actually moving because it's all on stage, playing the perspective and, you know, built the leaving Las Vegas hotel room where he ends up killing Nikki. And it's, it, it was, it, you know, I think it was just a bridge too far for the studio <laughs> after making a film that, uh, you know, like it, it, take a, it took a lot of balls for Lionsgate to commit to this project in the first place. <laughs> did. We commend and applaud them for it because it's a deeply weird studio film. Uh, and I think that was just like, and it's also in black and white and they're going, okay, enough guys. We have to draw the line somewhere. We're doing a commercial movie. And so it ended up, you know, being cut from the film. So on that kind of uh, like tangent of like uh, the tonality of the film, I found myself watching it in the screening, like one moment I'd be like side-splittingly laughing and then it was quite poignant and melancholic. How important was it for you to kind of get that balance of tone right in this film? Yeah, I think that was kind of the, the whole thing, like, and that was the hardest um, the hardest challenge through the whole process from the script and wanting the script to feel like we had a real character that you could go on a journey with and that you could move through genres but find some kind of semblance of a, a through line for him and it was something that we challenged us at every phase you know when we we tested the movie with audiences a few times to to see the you know the scenes that were too comic and that mm-hmm. the scenes that felt too uh, sentimental and so it was and then in with our music that was another one where you go mm-hmm. if, if, if the music plays too dramatic it sucks all the comedy out of it so that was by far the hardest and then also I will say that that was a challenge another challenge with the studio was was for them to kind of believe that an audience could sustain that jumping of genres um, yeah and Kevin and I talked about this a lot when we were writing the script we said look, if we don't make you emotionally attached to this character and move you in some way where you're willing to actually get behind this this version of Nicolas Cage, then it's a sketch. It's Mm -hmm. not a film. It's a, it's, and it's a parody. And we didn't want that. We wanted some sincerity uh, involved in this thing because it is a celebration of his work. So, you know, that, that was the starting point where we said, okay, this, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, 
ask the actors to take everything that they're doing seriously, let the script do the work and try to find like a backbone of this thing tonally that didn't stray too far. Mm-hmm. And we well, test well, the limits of it at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odd moments and like, you know. We said well, we, had a funny th- we had a funny scene that we had to cut I was talking about where w- after they drop acid, Nick mm-hmm. and Pedro end up in a church and Nick looks up and he sees Jesus and Jesus turns to him and says, I, you know, I'm so sorry to be this guy, but I absolutely loved you and, you know, bad lieutenant. We're <laughs> <laughs> all New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans. <laughs> and it was, it was funny, but it was like, you Nick's know, going, just, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank yeah. you. I was very happy with how it came out, you know. <laughs> it was just, but it was too much ultimately for the film to kind of bear, but a lot of fun stuff. It was a lot of trial and error, tonal trial and error. How was it finding that balance between, obviously, you expect the film to kind of bring in a new audience that don't have, yeah, like me, who's kind of seen every single Nicolas Cage film. Like, how was it kind of finding that balance of getting stuff that was like enough to draw people in, but not being like too niche, where it's like this is just for the kind of like the SWATs, do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the Uber fans. Yeah. Well, yeah, we thought like there's a lot of references in the movie, both visual and 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 verbal. And we thought like this movie should work even if you've never seen a Nicolas Cage movie. You should buy into a guy that doesn't feel like he's where he should be in his his life and career and has some growing to do. And we dramatized the idea that there's a voice in his head holding him back and he needs to overcome it. And we thought there's like a universality to that very simple construction of a story. And we thought the best version of this movie works on its own. Uh-huh. And yeah, and uh, you know, just as a as as a narrative, and and that was like an important thing for us. Perfect. Well, um, yeah, I guess like one of the kind of central uh, relationships in this film, more so than a romantic relationship, is that bromance between um, Nick and ha- Harvey. How how important was it for you guys to kind of get that chemistry right between those two characters and? obviously yeah seeing the film it's like oh couldn't have had anyone better than pedro pascal how was how was it working with him and kind of seeing that chemistry live yeah i mean i think we yeah we really pedro was the key to making the film work obviously Mm -hmm. we needed nick but then if that character doesn't work the film doesn't work and you know partly when when we were thinking about that that role we um you know we had the chance to have lunch with pedro and and he said to us right away, he's like, you know what, guys, I don't care if I don't get the film. Uh, obviously, I want it. But like, I just want to talk to you guys about Nick Cage because I'm a I'm a true fan. And he was. So he is the absolute fanboy. So that when we were making that decision, it was it was hard because Pedro hasn't done big comedy movies. Right. Um, but ultimately, we just said, like, he's a really great actor and he is this guy. And so he is gonna act, he's gonna know how to act that fanboy role. And so, you know, it, we took a little bit of a leap of faith in that way, but it, it obviously worked out. Yeah, and there was, there was a, when Pedro finally got to set, he came in, we've seen him play like very macho, like roles, like a Viper and Narcos, and you see him as this guy. But when you meet Pedro, there's like this inherent kind of sweetness and softness to him. And he's like a character. And we thought, oh, this is the guy. But so Pedro came and he said, I've got some ideas about how to play it. And they were more sort of macho guy. They were more of like the, 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 the guy that the CIA says he is, right? Says he's this like gangster character. 
And so Pedro and I had a long talk at the beginning where I said, no, I want the guy who's more like Pedro. I want this like sweet super fan because Nick is going to play the gruff Charles Bronson version of Nicolas Cage, you know? And like that, that sort of that dynamic uh, made us both smile. And we were like, that's, that's the alchemy we're looking for. That's the, that's the type of like sort of winning chemistry we thought might work. Well, yeah, it's, he kind of really kind of encapsulates what it is to be a Nicolas Cage fan. And like, uh, I, I found myself kind of being like, he's a surrogate for all of us kind of Nickheads, as I, as I, as I call it. So, um, so yeah, yeah exactly right. it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Do you, do, would, would you ever take on another project like this? Is there, is there another actor in your crosshairs or is there another nick cage project you would like to do would you like to work with nick again i, I can imagine it would have been a lot of fun i would uh i would love to work with nick again i know uh, we don't yeah. have any other you know actors <laughs> in this type of world but like i think it'd be so fun to work with them it, it, you know it, it's always nice to have someone there on your project that cares about it as much as you do and kevin and i care deeply about the work that we're doing and 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 nick was right there with us and that was really kind of I'd absolutely dive into that pool again. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Hope you enjoy the rest of the junket and it's not too much uh, hassle. Again, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Thank you. There we have it, guys. My conversation with the mind and the penultimate mind of the fantastic, the unbearable weight of massive talent. If you've seen this film, please do get in touch. Uh, we're going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of coverage coming over the next month or so on this here podcast talking about it. Um, I know just just next week I'll be recording with three other UK-based Nicolas Cage podcasts to kind of have the ultimate mega chat about this film and our top five Nicolas Cage films. So yeah, reach me on all the socials. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. And now uh, TikTok as well. And let me know your top five Nicolas Cage films. We'd love to dive into some of the fan ones as well. I think that will be a lot of fun. So yeah, back to the back to the kind of press junkie. I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit because it was a really weird experience for me it's kind of fun exciting and it's it's kind of sent me on a loop because obviously i've done i've done interviews with kind of uh massive talents on this podcast already and uh, yeah I, I i i get nervous i kind of i don't know but i've kind of got got used to that because you get to chat to the people beforehand but kind of doing it under this i don't know high pressure situation i guess uh, for someone like me of just like kind of you're dropped into a zoom room and it's like you've got your 20 minutes go and then the chat box, they're kind of saying to you, like, you've got X amount of time left, you've got X amount of time left. And I know it's totally on me. It's nothing to do with kind of how junk it works, uh, how junk it's work in general. But I think it's that idea that I don't know. Uh, this podcast has been quite free flowing and stuff like that. And uh, it was a, it was a real like learning curve and a lot of fun. I guess you can you can hear and you can now see as well. You can head on over to YouTube and watch the video of this conversation uh which you can tell i didn't know i was going to be sent a video because you could see me like drinking bottles of water kind of 
I don't gestating way too much, like gesturing like a madman. Uh, kind of, I don't know, excitement levels just really high, pumped up. But uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I very much hope to get to do it again. And yeah, if you're if you're on the fence about seeing the unbearable weight of massive talent, you're in for a treat. This is a real kind of joy. It's, it's not just like there for the hardcore Nick heads. It's it's there for it's there for everyone. It's a great kind of buddy cop, uh, not buddy cop, just but like bromance movie. It kind of reminded me somewhat of the, uh, the Jump Street movies in that kind of tone, that irreverence, that kind of uh, wit and charm that those movies have. And I think you'll uh, fall in love with Tom and Kevin's like version of Nick and uh, Pedro Pascal's portrayal as Harvey. He very much is uh, a conduit, like a surrogate for all of us massive nick cage fans out there so yeah you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love it like if you can like people always argue like ah there's there's no there's no original content out there this is one of those films so run out to a cinema and watch it now and if you enjoy it watch it again like let's let's it would it would be great to see more films like this it'd be great to see a sequel i know that uh, in this chat tom and kevin obviously we we joke about a potential sequel for this film i would love to see that happen and, and, and i'm sure you would so yeah let's let's support the unbearable weight of massive talent because it's it's a whole lot of fun a massive thank you as well on this one to a few people so sam clements who kind of really fighting my corner with this one gave me some like pr contacts and stuff like that said hey chat to this person chat to that person uh, sab astley as well again somebody who kind of like I put out something on Twitter and was like, email this person. They will, they will kind of, uh, ha- like that. They will be, uh, yeah. They, they, they will, they, they will get involved. They, they're like, they're the people to speak to, or whatever. And another person as well, Daryl Edge from the Cage Rage podcast, who was kind of like my, 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 my partner in all of this in, in, in a weird way. We kind of went to the screening together. We kind of talked before and after his junket. He had an earlier slot than me. And we really tried to make sure there was not a lot of crossover. So between the two of us, you've probably got a good, decent slice, about 40 minutes of massive talent chat. So be sure to head on over to his page as well. There'll be a little uh, link in the show notes where you can listen to that as well. And hopefully you get like a kind of wider swath of, of chat with Tom and Kevin that kind of, yeah, covers different ground and we kind of uh get to get to all of it we get to kind of ask all the questions we would have done if we had both had more time and we've just done it over two separate slots so yeah a massive thank you to everyone at Lionsgate and all the kind of PR people I've I've dealt with over this whole thing as well because it's been it's been an absolute trip and I I, I look forward to kind of doing it again and maybe next time Maybe next time we'll get to speak to the big man himself. I know that it was something that I very much pushed for. I kind of said, hey, if there's ever a time that Nick Cage were to appear on a Nick Cage podcast, surely it's for a film where Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage. So, yeah, unfortunately it didn't happen. But as we say, we ride on to the next film and we we, we try again. We hunkered down. Um, so if you enjoyed this chat, this is your first time here on the podcast please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now. Give us a lovely, yeah, give us a lovely five-star 
review and um, let me know. Let me know what's your favourite Nick Cage film in your review as well. I always love to know what people, what people like. What yeah, what's their what's their favourite? Uh, I just just I don't know. I, I love this community of kind of Nick heads we got out there. So yeah, a massive a massive love to you all. And um, as always, I've been Petrus Pat Syllabus. I've been caged in. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>